Hey, I hope you're enjoying this content. Want to make sure that you know about our Facebook group. It's totally free, but it's a great place to post any questions you might have, get some resources, talk to people who are doing the clinic gym model. You can find it on Facebook and it's called the Clinic Gym Hybrid Discussion Group. Once again, the Clinic Gym Hybrid Discussion Group. If you haven't gotten in there yet, you have to answer a couple questions so we can keep the deadbeats out, but we'd love to have you in there. And if you ever have a question about, hey, I don't know how to set up my insurance or what company do you use for this equipment? That is the absolute best place to post. Every day we're getting great questions and even better answers. And man, there's tons of resources out there that I didn't even know about. So once again, check us out on Facebook. It's the Clinic Gym Hybrid Discussion Group. Hope to see you there. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I am so glad you're here. It is our goal to help 10,000 offices build into a clinic gym. Why? It's the best version of musculoskeletal care, and it's the only version that's perfectly in line with the evidence. The word exercise comes up more than any other word in the research, so let's implement that. And this interview was built to help you understand how to do that. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and today I'm blessed to be joined by Nina and Meg from Articulate Design and Consulting. I'll start with you, Nina. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Now, I was lucky enough to meet the two of you at uh, the Jane Ambassador event. You guys are ambassadors for Jane. If anyone listening doesn't have an EHR that they love, uh, go fall in love with Jane. It's pretty easy to do, and you might be blown away. Uh, but I before that, I've actually followed you guys on uh, Instagram, where, uh, Meg, what's the Instagram handle? Because I think the, the pictures just tell a story of what you guys do so well. Yeah, it's at Articulate Design Co. And I agree, we're very visual people. So that's where we like yeah. to show what we do. Yeah. Now for listeners, what they do, they help. I'm probably not going to do it justice. They help with facility design and experience. But that's not just like two architects who designed, who decided to uh, focus on healthcare. You guys are both physios uh, and have been physios up in uh, up in Canada for quite a few years, right? And I'm going to guess you worked in, Meg, I'll ask you, dozens of facilities, six facilities, like multiple facilities, and got to experience when the experience is not great. Yeah, I also appreciate you calling us physios because I know our American counterparts call us PTs or physical therapists, but we are both... Um, PTs by training. And uh, you're right, between the two of us, we have worked at a number of different facilities. Um, I actually currently own my own um, space as well. Nina works at a really prestigious clinic at the University of Toronto, treating athletes. And yes, we've had the whole gamut of experiences. And we have lamented for some time that the healthcare industry, the rehab industry, wellness industry even is just really behind the eight ball in terms of, of considering the experience and the environment and how that shapes everything for both the clinicians and the clients. And thus articulate design and consulting was born and design is definitely a passion for the two of us. We've done a lot of design in the background um, in our personal lives. And so it was really just the perfect marriage of what we do professionally with um, what we've done personally. And I think the thing we've really brought to the table is our clinical experience because knowing 
the real underbelly of how a clinic or a facility runs is a real asset when you're designing it. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm sure as an owner too, like you have the pressure of knowing like, Hey, I pay for every square foot here. The sucker had better produce uh, some revenue too, because it doesn't come free. And uh, I know a lot of listeners, most of the listeners here either own their own practice or, and possibly the building or they, they rent the building. But yeah, it's funny. I think a lot of us as healthcare providers kind of fall into a space that wasn't necessarily designed for anything but to be neutral. You know, it's like when a real estate agent says, like, when you're selling your home, take down all the family pictures of you and put up something neutral. You walk into a lot of spaces. It's like, oh, I'm renting this thing. It's white walls, the standard contractor carpet, the standard contractor doors, and uh, and we'll throw in some really egregious uh, fluorescent lighting to really just send it home. But before we began, you guys were telling me about the importance of the experience. And you feel that's a very large portion of what you do is create that experience. Um, Nina, would you mind talk a little bit about what that means to you and help people kind of understand that aspect of it, of not just a color palette or, you know, uh, surface selection, but like, how do we create an experience for folks? Yeah, 100%. I think like we can all um, acknowledge that giving our clients who come through the door and a good experience overall is important because we want them to come back. And that experience really starts from their online platform, how they're accessing your clinic, what are they seeing? And is that Mm. your digital branding? Is that aligned with your physical space? You want Mm. them to kind of know what your space is going to look and feel like before they walk through the door. Um, And then obviously giving a lot of functional flow, making things easy for them in terms of booking and payment, all of that needs to be really seamless. But I think where Meg and I um, have really pushed the envelope is starting to look at the, a clinician centered focus as well. And, you know, in where we are in, in Toronto, Canada, there's, a ton of amazing clinicians and it's really competitive to hold on to those good clinicians. Um, And we really want people to be the clinicians also to, you know, do their best work in, in our spaces for us. And that really happens when they're in a space that nurtures them and gives them an amazing experience. And from the practitioner side of things, Having amazing flow in the space is really important. Knowing where everything goes is really important in the space. And just having that very utilitarian functionality is one element. And then the other is really going into the personality of the space and the brand so that people are happy to be there. They want to spend hours there. They want to train clients there in the evenings. Um, I think that's a big, big part of the overall experience. And Meg and I oftentimes talk about how, you know, for instance, if you walk into your favorite restaurant or a spa, for instance, the environment's already providing a service without you even having to do a thing. So, you know, what a what a lost asset for those who aren't taking that into consideration, right? Where you can start having people feel good before you've even offered them a service, you know, their satisfaction is going to be that much greater. Yeah. It, it's interesting. You're reminding me of a, I have a friend who's uh he's a business consultant. He says, there's only two reasons uh, 
people aren't doing business with you. Either they haven't yet heard of you or they have. And I think <laughs> in your world, you are creating an experience, period. Now you just got to decide like, what is that experience you want to provide? And when you say like, um, you know, restaurants, I think that's a perfect example because we can all think of like a fast casual place for lunch, right? It has to be efficient. So think Chipotle, Chipotle for me, like it has to be fast, right? They're, they're not going to maintain their business model if it takes an hour to get your food. They don't want to have servers. And so they create a flow in their building and they've spent a lot of money doing it. And if you look at them, their, uh, you know, their wood and steel kind of, well, I don't know what you would call it, palette is very unique to them, yet it works for them when they create that flow. And and no, you could go into a Chipotle everywhere and go, oh, yes, this feels authentic mm-hmm. uh, to their brand. And man, how do you go from, I'm just a guy who opened a clinic to that? I mean, how do you guys handle that? It just sounds like a in pot, like just a crazy thought, right? I don't know, Meg, if you have a, you're smiling the most, so I'll go with you like you're holding back the answer. Yeah, you're speaking our language. Like we often get people to really think of that before we go anywhere else. Like, you know, Chipotle, the example you gave is a great one, right? Where you know exactly where you are every time you step in and it functions really well and it flows really well. And speaking to that, when we start with clients, we do an intake questionnaire, much the same we would do as a practitioner. And you know, as a practitioner, when you ask really thorough, in-depth, thoughtful questions, the answers get provided to you, right? Any good clinician knows that. And that's what we, how we approach our clients that we're consulting with or we're designing for is, yes, we want to know your aesthetic leanings, but that's such a small portion of what we're trying to get to. We want to know... What's your, what's your hopes and dreams for your business? What's your business plan in five years, 10 years? What, um, what, do you, what kind of practitioners are you bringing into the space? What kind of services are you offering? What's your demographic? Like, we really want to get to the heart of your business. What do you want the place to feel like when people walk in? What adjectives do you want people to use when they describe it? And the more in-depth we get with those questions, questions often clinic owners have never asked themselves, it becomes a really amazing exercise for both parties. And that's really what shapes us starting to create a concept for people. So our concepts are sort of the broad strokes of these are images that really felt like the words you were trying to describe to us of how we would present your space. And and then we just go from there more granular, more granular, more granular until the space is designed. And I, I do think that's that's become our superpowers is bringing over those skills from being clinicians into how we then approach designing a space. Very nice. Um, along with those, can you do you uh, have a story of someone that kind of, Hey, I want to do this. And then as these, these things often do held back, held back, like with a patient. And then finally, when they felt safe and they felt like, okay, this is possible. They just rah, explode with, okay, here's what I want. Yeah. I don't know which one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I think what happens that what has happened a few times is people like you said, they're like, I don't know where to start. I feel so overwhelmed. <clears throat> I have no clue. But then when we start giving them the space, we start prompting them with the right questions. 
people who are passionate enough to start their own businesses, they they do have those answers. They just haven't, they've been overwhelmed with like the big stuff that they haven't really stopped to think about it. So sometimes our process just gives them the space and then they get really confident and they get really bold and they really want the personality of their brand and them as a clinician to come out in the space. And, you know, there's also a huge trust process that needs to happen because we we also ha- help people get out of that comfort zone um, and get a little bit braver. And, you know, no, you don't need like the stock photo of the guy playing golf. Why don't we put some of your patient's pictures up or whatever it may be. But I think it's kind of a two-way street. I think we give people the space to become really confident and in the same token, we, we push them when they need the push. Yeah, it's, we it's we have one guy like anecdotally, sorry. Josh, yeah, no, I love, in. I love the stories. Yeah. He had, so it was two business partners and they could not agree on design. Like he wanted black and white. She wanted color. I don't know. Some, some mix like that. And they brought us in literally as mediators because what happened is nothing happened to the space. Like it was this big clinic gym. I know that's like a lot of what your um, clients have as well. And it just was like an echo chamber, white walls, tall ceilings and nothing in it. Um, And they were just like had, you know, decision paralysis. So they brought us in and I should say she brought us in. He was incredibly skeptical and really kind of fought us tooth and nail for a good month of us going back and forth. And I think at the heart of it, it's that people are not seeing design as an investment. It's sort of like a frill. Like if, yeah, sure, we can make this nicer, but it kind of functions. So it's fine. And as we started going with the, through the process, he did a 180. Like he became the most excited because when paint started going up and bespoke artwork and plants and like the space just took on a new life, he felt the palpable change in how he felt in this space, how clients were interacting with it. And I will say he was like our biggest switch. <laughs> he really he really was. And he's probably our best testimonial to cl- clinicians who feel the same way. Like I just yeah. need to hang a shingle and I'm ready to go. And it's like, this is one of the biggest investments and important investments you can make in your space. Yeah. Yeah, I have a friend who owns some franchises and and he tells me how much time they spend going into the, you know, the setup, the surface, you know, like for example, if you go to like a subway, the surface of the table that you're eating lunch on is very specific to what they want. They want it to feel some way. It needs to be easy to clean. They don't want it to have, if you set your drink down, they don't want a drink ring. And so that gets down to, okay, well, we'll just do something very, you know, utilitarian for Micah. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, but that's too much on one extreme. And that's because they have consultants and, you know, Mm -hmm. kajillions of dollars to do this. And I think that design and patient experience is just one of those areas that I don't know what the school system's like in Canada. But I certainly didn't get any touching of that or any discussion of that or here. And what you're saying to me is it's almost like, I feel this way with business. In some regard, at certain points, business becomes like art. Like I can create this any way I want. I can charge anything I want. I can set my time any way I want. 
and we just accept the last way it was done or the way it is now, or, or I'm sure there are some people going, I didn't even know this was available. I didn't even know this is a possibility because, you know, like I can think of, I've had five different spaces, one of which we, we had a designer and she was very, she was a gym goer and she understood it. She wasn't an architect. Then we had another space that we had an architect influence and that was an exercise in what could we design, but absolutely not what would be the most efficient for this operating business. I mean, it was like showing off to your friends, but not actually doing anything for your client, you know? So that was mm-hmm. quite frustrating. You know? um, yeah. When someone is, there's somebody listening and they're like, Hey, you know, this is, this is speaking my language. I feel like my space is stale. Right. And they want to go into redesigning a Let's just say they're like, I, I still have four years left on my lease. I'm not moving. And I don't want to change wall floor plan or walls. Right. You guys are, you, I'm sure you've been here many times. What would you say is a good way to, to number one, do you guys do anything like, work with those types of clients where there's no fit. You're not going to physically change the layout. I'm just saying, but we want to refresh the space. Is this a common, a common thing you get? Nina, yeah, I'll ask you. Absolutely. Um, we, we have kind of designed our offerings to be really accessible to all phases of entry into mm-hmm. this process. Mm-hmm. So we do have a lot of clients who, um, you know, they spent all their money on the the really big and, you know, the things that they think of first, even though we're trying to change how people think a little bit, but they come back a couple of years later and they're like, okay, like I really, I, I'm established, but like, this is not the way I want to express my brand yeah. or our presence. So we, we get those people a lot and, you know, Sometimes just getting other clinicians lenses on your floor plan and your space. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think Meg is like a ninja of floor plans. Like she's really great at looking at an existing space and seeing the possibilities. And, awesome. and I don't think that that requires moving walls in, in many cases, right? It's really also just about like finding the right products or building the right custom elements Mm -hmm. to optimize your space. Um, So to that person who's, you know, I'm not going to move, but I really want to make some changes. That's absolutely possible. And obviously call us, we do virtual, I would say like 85 to 90% of our clients are are remote and it's, you know, it's, we're pretty, we're pretty um, confident and comfortable in handling projects like that. It's a lot of fun. Um, with tech these days. But, you know, even if you're just trying to make these changes yourself, it's completely possible. I think you just have to start asking those questions that Megan mentioned before, like, how do I want people to describe my space? How do I want them to feel? How do I want to feel in my space? What absolutely is not working in my space? And actually giving yourself time to reflect on some of those questions, right? That is where the investment in your brand starts is just by asking yourself those, those important questions. It's interesting to me too, because as you go down those, that list, Nina, I'm like, not only that, but everybody has, like you work with athletes, right? Like we all have our passion in who we want to work with. And so many times our layout or our approach hinders the ability to work with that. Right. Like if you like open space, for example, 
I don't know. Every contractor that's going to bid on your space is going to try and close in spaces because they make money off of the more walls they build. It's a simple thing. And they don't understand that, hey, open space is hugely, uh, it's highly valued, you know, especially if you're like, hey, yoga is a big part of what I do or Pilates is a big part of what I do. Like a Pilates reformer is massive. There's no, you're not going to fit it in a 10 by 10 room, you know, or I'm sure you guys have been in those clinics where it's turned diagonally in the room and like you have to open, you know, walk two steps sideways, close the door, then you can hang up your coat. And then it's like, oh my God, like this is such a bad experience. And, and yet you're like, I love Pilates. What can I do? That, that thought, again, it's great that you guys are clinicians and can advise that because sometimes you're like holding back your own profits. Right. And, and you don't, you don't realize that. Absolutely. Meg, that seemed to hit a nerve. It, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, if you would have seen to... it, if this was a yes. video podcast, her head was nodding up and down vigorously, like, oh, yeah. So, Josh, yeah, honestly, talk a little bit about totally it. hit a nerve because it's amazing how many people are so reticent to change either an existing layout that they take over or admit a few years in that we can optimize it. And because the, at the bot, at the end of the day, we're trying to design for your bottom line. Like, and and that's in all elements. Like, can you? How many treatments can you do effectively? Is the space designed to retain employees, which we know is a huge um, suck on huge the business when you have to keep yeah. hiring? So, like, from all aspects, whether it's aesthetic, whether it's functional, whether it's the floor plan, whether it's what equipment you have, whether it's multimodal, like how do we have an open treatment space that then can flip into open class in the evening? Mm -hmm. It's all about how does this impact your bottom line? And that's what we want to help with. But people won't spend often the small investment, relatively speaking, to make that happen. And we're, I mean, I, I like to think we're working with people who can see that value. Obviously, they hire us for that reason. But it's maddening to walk into these clinics where you're like, people won't come back because this room is way too small. Just spend the money to do this properly, right? Yeah. Are there any, uh, if you have any stories of clients where you they said, I really want to do this. And you looked at the floor plan and were like, well, then something's got to give because this is not going to contribute to doing that. Uh, yeah. I can think of one off. Oh, sorry. Nina. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's, your it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> no, please go. <laughs> I will say, sorry, you know, when it's floor plans, I get all hot and bothered. Yeah, um, <laughs> I will say that the biggest issue is people will get a space without having thought about how the space will work. Meaning they get all excited about the location of a, space or that the exterior is really interesting or there's a cool coffee shop beside, but the dimensions of the space often aren't necessarily ideal. And then they hire us and we're like, it's tricky because it might be long and narrow, but you end up with like a really awkwardly big hallway. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. A big asset when you're looking at a space, whether you're looking at a new space to expand or you're looking at maybe a clinic that exists that you're going to take over and you think, oh, it's going to be less work because I'll just take over this existing plan. Putting the time and effort into really 
thoughtfully understanding your own business model and how to lay out a space to make that work is important. I don't even know if that answered your question. That's just me getting on my soapbox. But we've had a few where we come in to design it and we're like, oh, if they had only hired us before signing this lease, we would have talked them out of it because it has so many constraints. There's not plumbing where the plumbing should be. There's not electrical where the electrical needs to be. There's a support column in the middle of where we want to put a yoga studio. Like Totally. And so, you know, that's where our consulting branch comes in of like, you can hire us or hire someone else if you choose to look at potential spaces. And it's a drop in the bucket in terms of the expense you'll spend to at least have a functional floor plan design. So you know what you're getting into and if it's going to work. I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you an interesting story about a listener. We have uh, one of, one of our clients, great guy. And so he had a space that was the best way to describe it would be, you know, when you're playing Tetris and there's like the, it goes up and then over, like it's, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. That's the, the original. Z, like, yeah. yeah. The Z. Like for Americans, that's a Z, but yeah, a Z. Uh, so that was his original floor floor plan that he had. Cause he just got a place that he could afford and um, kind of knew, you know, a friend of a friend had a, gave him a great deal, but he had a gym and, you know, when we talked, I said the best way to design a gym, if you have your druthers, is essentially a U because you start everybody in warm up here, then you move to your strength, then they move over, then they move up. If you can maintain that flow, you can start another class on, say, the half hour, right? Because they're moving into this U. And at the times that gyms are busy, which is not all day long, right? They're busy in the morning, they're busy in the evening, and maybe midday. If you do that, you can double up on your classes. So like, for example, you could have a 6 a.m. class, a 6.30 and a 7 and effectively double your revenue, right? He took that to heart. Three years later, that space was up. He got another space and built in the U-shape for his gym. He was able, he said, I made 40% more revenue with that setup, like taking advantage of when it's big. And he made about 32% more profit at the end of the year. So like directly related to floor plan, almost nothing else changed. Same coaches, same brand, same exercises, same programming, you know, and they're not all home runs like that. And I think his is an extreme example because it was so bad at first. Oh my God. It like, but you just can't force that business model in that shape. Sometimes you just can't, you know? And I think that that's a great, I mean, knowing that you guys are there and, and being able to refer people to you if, they're considering a couple spaces because I will tell anybody listening, looking for a new space. If you've never gotten a space before, here's some things. A, I've never seen a perfect space. The, the floor plan may be great. And then you're like, well, it's not in the perfect location or the view from the streets, not right. Or it's because the view and the floor plan are great. The price is out, out of control. Like there is no perfect version of it, but I think what I'm hearing from you guys is take the, the version that we can make work for your model. You know, if you want to work with athletes, great. You don't want to have low ceilings. Like it just feels weird, right? If you, I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. So knowing you guys can con- consult on the front end, even to say like, you don't want this space, you know, it's cheap. You don't want it, you know? I love that. Yeah. That's such a great, ex- you know, that's such a great example of just sharing that relevant wisdom with others, right? About like understanding their needs. And I think that, that's where like traditional design maybe has even failed some of our, our colleagues, right? Because people have engaged in design and architecture and stuff, but it's just, 
making sure you're consulting with people or, or, you know, colleagues or anybody or mentors who have, have maybe been there before who can give you these pearls of advice. Right. I think that that's so essential. I also think like people are, I think, especially when they're kind of fresh out of school and they're doing this for the first time, they're a little scared to think big, but you know, you've got to, you've got to plan for growth. Right. And there, there's never going to be a space big enough, you know, to, to house all the different things you're going to eventually have. And we, we see that time and time again. Um, and also the, the, the flip side of that is people trying to cram it all in a small space because they're kind of scared to invest in the bigger space. Um, but, you know, we know what comfortable treatment room sizes need to be to house like four different types of practitioner. We don't want to silo ourselves with like just one type of practitioner. So just like talking to people who have done it before or working with people who really understand the industry is is just so essential in in your bottom line, really. Yeah. By the way, I mean, knowing you guys are this resource real quick, can you share the best way for people to get a hold of you, Meg, I'll throw it at you. If people are like, I need this, I need, I want to refresh my space or I'm looking at spaces. How can they reach out? Uh, I'd say the best way is probably through our Instagram, Articulate Design Co., mainly because you can see some of our work there and and we are pretty good at answering our DMs. The other way is through our website. If you go to www.articulatedesignco.com, again, you can see our work, our gallery, and then there's a contact form um, on that website that that will come directly to us if you're looking to inquire. Okay. It's obvious to me you guys know what what you're doing and you're thinking about this in many ways. Uh, I want to have a little bit of fun real quick. You know how there are trends in the way that we do things as humans and there are trends in everything. I'll use tattoos as an example. I was behind a lady the other day in, in the market and I she had that five-pointed star that's kind of like two-toned and I was like, oh, that was really a really popular tattoo for a while, right? But now has lost its popularity for whatever reason. But um, in design, sometimes there's trends that are a really good idea that's finally come up. Like, hey, why are we doing it this way? We could do it this way, right? And there are sometimes that there are trends and it's like, you don't know it yet, but you don't, you don't want that long-term. My father was an attorney, opened his office in 1982. And at that time, having a wicker wall was the hot thing. Okay. A wicker wall... Yep, is a bold statement. And one of the problems with it that I think gets overlooked is besides its lack of beauty and strangeness, besides that, is all those wicker services collect dust like crazy and you will never get it off. It, it never looks good after its third week, right? That's a, that's a thing I think people need to consider is it doesn't matter how beautiful your space is. If you're not able to clean it, it loses its effect very quickly. But anyways, going back to trends, are are there some trends that you are seeing in healthcare that you would say, hey, think about this, or this is a very good model of that? Um, I don't know if it's a shape of things. I'll use one for example. Uh, I went to a, a hotel the other day next to an airport, and it was like one of these hotels has been open since like the 50s, since, you know, you can just picture the Pan Am stewardesses checking in there. And it was so picture of the 60s of you walk in, you go downstairs, then the front desks are on the sides. So you don't see anything when you walk in. 
it's marble, it's brass. There's all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is very expensive, completely useless and doesn't feel warm and welcoming because until you're down in the lobby, you can't see a face of a person, right? But now if you go to a courtyard Marriott or something like that, they have a standing desk with the person basically angled towards the entrance. So you get greeted right away, right? And I don't think we'll ever get away from that personal greeting when you enter a hotel. It was just funny that that trend uh, not only was very expensive, was not the best way to do it. So in in clinic design, Nina, I don't know if you have a couple of things, but some trends that you're seeing that are positive, negative, or hey, give some thought to this or doesn't work in this model, but in this model, it works great. Yeah, I mean, I think we, Meg and I have example, lots of examples of both. I think one for me that comes to mind is like a, a positive trend is branding doesn't have to be so obvious. So I think that when brands are doing a really good job on their digital side of things, their social media and things like that, people already know what to expect. They already have an idea of like the color palettes and they've seen the logo. So when they walk into the space, they don't need to see the full giant logo lit up behind the reception desk, right? I really love it when I see subtle indications of the brand. So it might be like, there's some merch and I see the the symbol of like the, the clinic's logo on the merch or, you know, there's a subtle logo, maybe in a completely different material. That's not the exact bright red brand color. I really love that. I, I like things not being so obvious and counter to that, the trend that I would like to die quickly is when you you know, you have this street view, right? So people really want to be like, okay, there's so many people walking by. I want everybody to know about what we do. And now I'm going to list everything we do on the window to the point where people can't even see inside and there's just like information overload on the window. So that is like the signage trend I would like to see die. And the signage trend I would like to see really thrive is these more kind of clever and subtle ways of like highlighting your branding. I love it. Yeah, we'll go back to Chipotle. I think I could take you into any Chipotle across the world, sit you down. And if you did not see the logo, I say, where are we? And you would be able to call it out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think there's a clinic here locally. I've been to a couple of times, it's like a primary care and they have behind the reception desk, exactly what you're saying. They have the trendy, I'm, I'm saying trendy pallet wall, right? Pallet wood wall with the gigantic logo. Right. But, and you can see they spent some money on it. Like they hired somebody professional to do this. It's great. But in the middle of it is their copy machine. So it cuts off a chunk of the logo and now it's like you bet you bet on this horse and then you hobble it, you know, like if you want, if you want the logo, I'm fine. Like, but don't, don't put the copy machine and the metal file, the black metal file cabinet on top of your beautiful logo. Let it be its thing and do what you pictured it. But I'm like, now we have this clash of, of, of the Titans and it just breaks my heart. It just absolutely breaks my heart. I think something I think that should die by the way is, Anytime you use scotch tape to attach anything to your desk, please stop, reconsider, oh, wow. and let's let's just back up and say, like, is this necessary? Do I want to ex- turn people away? Do I really care that little about people? 
Because there's nothing worse. The only thing worse than scotch tape holding up a sign is old scotch tape that used to hold up a sign that nobody has taken off the desk. Drives me bonkers. Anyways. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. pretty bad. Uh, Meg, how about you? Any trends that you, positive or negative, that you want to you wanna share? Uh, oh, yeah. I'd be happy to share. I'd say on that note, um, Josh, of what you were talking about with the signage, like less is more. No one's even noticing this stuff. So, you know, when people think they need to write a, a note for every little housekeeping item, it, you really don't. So let's just, let's just all agree to scrap that one. Um, design trends, at least that we're pushing and definitely um, bigger commercial like healthcare architectural firms are, is really getting away from it feeling clinical. So for example, West Elm has a line of um, furniture that they uh, collaborated with Steelcase Health on to use in healthcare settings. So the idea of bringing kind of traditional pieces you would see residentially into medical care settings really takes away that overly clinical vibe that give people, you know, the white coat syndrome of like, oh, yep, I'm in a clinic and it feels really medical. We also do our best to really conceal anything medical. So we get really creative with hiding sharps containers. We get really creative with like what tools of the trade look good and contribute in a nice way to the design and what things need to be hidden and only come out when they need to come out so that as someone navigates through your space, that's not the overwhelming sensation of I'm in a clinic. And same going, you know, into people who have these clinic gym hybrids is how are you creating cohesion between these spaces, right? So how are you making sure that there's real alignment between a clinical space and a gym space. And often gyms get zero consideration. They're insanely utilitarian. And I get it. It's like a space where weights and heavy things are being thrown around. But I will also say much like any parent would say about their kids is when you design in a way that, that speaks to being allowed to do whatever you want in a space, people will respect it as such. So when you design a space that is nicer, it gets respected and treated nicer. When everything has a space to go away, everything has a home, it will be respected in a much nicer way. And that may seem counterintuitive to a lot of people thinking like, I don't want to do anything precious in such a big commercial space, but it actually works the opposite. When you don't put attention into this, it gets treated very poorly. I, I think a perfect example with that, I 100% agree. I think it's a great point. A perfect example of that is if you go to the Apple store, I saw this myself. I recently bought an iPhone and where the phones are is like essentially a museum setup, right? Lots of open space, a few things in a very specific place of this phone goes right here, mm -hmm. right? Now, they've dealt with theft in the classiest way possible, right? There's a thin wire that is anti Like, mm -hmm. they have to deal with that. It's a, it's a part of their job. But have you ever tried to pay cash at an Apple store? You, go, please go try. <laughs> you don't know this, but they've built the cash drawer in because usually cash drawers are this big metal chunk that's super ugly. They've built it in and they have a little code when they press it on their phone. The wood table that all the display uh, has a drawer built in. What? Super classy. Yeah. That. Unfortunately, you got to carry around about $1,000 or $1,500 cash <laughs> to buy anything. But my point to support you, Meg, is 
that's where the phones are. Now, when you go over where the cases are, and it's a bunch of things hanging on the wall, even though it's still the Apple store, it's the place where you see things taken off the wall and then set back down out of order. Or, And you're like, the same psychology of the space is there because in one area, we're dealing with no clutter. In another area, we're over cluttered. And it's like, it's too much to figure out. I'm just going to set this down here. And I will tell you, as an owner of a gym, holy smokes, the I'll just set this right here is unbelievable. And you're like, many times I'm like, how did this make sense in your mind? Like putting that away there, how did that make sense? You know, but that's just, I mean, I'll take that on my shoulders. It was poor design choice for me that they thought that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a big, the gym spaces in particular and the way in which they're set up to facilitate that psychology in a positive way is really a big part of what we do. And a lot of people, like when they, if you go to our Instagram and you see some of our gym organizational walls, no one believes that they stay like that. And you can do an audit on any of those clinics. And it's the first thing they say, like, it's the first time behavior has changed like 180 where everything gets put back. It had, it almost becomes like a piece of art. It's a piece of, it's a puzzle on the wall and it incentivizes people to put things back and just treat the space a lot nicer. And the same can go in a treatment room. The same can go in a reception. When you start filling it with more stuff and it doesn't have a natural home, it's a disaster. Yeah. Let's talk about one more thing that I, you guys blew me away with this. It's, it's a, uh, a testament to how you're thinking differently. I was just, for those listeners that don't know, I recently blew my quad tendon, had repair. So I've, I've been experiencing healthcare design left (laughs) and right. So I, the place, the surgeon's office, they have two locations I've been to. One of them was a masterclass in patient experience. I walked in the door and you're kind of looking at the front desk and the woman goes, uh, Saturday. And I was like, yeah, she's like, pulls up her iPad, touches something. You're all checked in. Just grab a seat. Now at the time I couldn't walk. So the fact I didn't have to walk to the front desk, then walk back, then walk back again to do any paperwork was a blessing. And I was like, oh my God, because I was tired from coming in. Uh, The other one, you walk in the door, there's all these accolades that feel out of place, that they're kind of braggadocious. And it's it's obvious that somebody tripped with a coffee and spilled it on the the carpet right in the entrance. And it's been that way at least for uh, four weeks because that was my original console. And I'm like, (laughs) experience is so important that we can't even clean the carpets here. Anyways, but... I was laughing because I was sitting there scrolling through the old articulate design co Instagram while I'm sitting in chairs that couldn't be more symmetrical, couldn't interact with other people. Like they're facing the front desk. The best way it's like, it's like a theater seating where they're all pointed the same direction, but they're all these bad, like wood with, kind of cushions on them and there's no rhyme or reason to the setup other than it's like, how can we pack a hundred bodies in here? And you guys posted something about just the experience of thinking differently about um, waiting room seating. Uh, Nina, can you speak a little bit about what, what you guys have discovered there and, and some experiences you're creating? Absolutely. Um, You know, I've experienced something similar, like the first fertility clinic I visited was like that where you're like sitting like you're taking a test like everybody's facing 
each other is like away from each other. And it was like, I honestly felt so triggered every time I had to walk into that reception space because it was like, here you are, all these people experiencing similar things. You're probably, this is probably the one time in a day or in your life, you're going to be around so many people who get what you're going through. And yet you, there's no opportunity to look anybody in the eye and, and, and chat with them. And, um, so for, for Megan, I, the reception space is like an evolving environment. We, when we do create, um, more of a traditional place where there's people need to have, um, a space to sit, we kind of design it like a living room. We want to give people the opportunity to be really comfortable. We want them to have the opportunity to look people in the eyes and create conversation if they want to. Um, but we just want to create an environment of en- engagement. Um, with that being said, we have really thought outside the box with the reception. A lot of our clients are using software such as Jane, where they don't necessarily have to speak to someone immediately to check in. So, you know, instead of having like a gigantic reception desk, there's an opportunity for a, res- a refreshment table. We had clients who did like a shared library. Um, we did others who did a full on coffee and smoothie bar with like seating that allowed people to come and have a coffee before their appointment. So all of these, the biggest thing that it has in common is just creating community. And I think that's what every owner is trying to do um, is create a community of their you know, preferred avatar of a client. And all those people probably have something that they can relate to each other with. So it's that idea of just creating the opportunity to engage with people and not feel so alone. And I think that's what medical clinics tend to do is, you know, you're six feet apart, you're all lined up on the outsides of the walls, or in our cases, like literally not even facing someone so you can look them in the eye. Um, And that really, I think, makes people's experience um, a lonely one. And, you know, uh, in in our professions, we're really combating that with with what we do with our hands, but we could be doing that with our environment. Yeah, it it, it is a fantastic idea. I mean, the idea of like instead of four chairs along a wall, can you have four chairs facing a common table, right? Like, in in enough space where it's like I don't have to talk to you, but you know, I've been in offices before where it's like, hey. I'm, excuse me, are you Meg? Are you, do you know so-and-so? Do your kids go to Pinecrest, you know? And and that, I know in the gym space that it's said, like, if you can get your members to hang out after class for 10 minutes, your the length of their membership is measurably will increase, right? And that's the whole game in a gym membership, right? So you want them sitting and BSing and provide coffee because <laughs> of 25 cents of coffee you know, if they're willing to stick around and talk about each other and, oh, you, so, you know, Stacy too, oh, why don't we invite her in? Those things are invaluable, you know? And I think you bring up a great point in that medical setting. It's like, <laughs> things need to be isolated in a lab environment. This isn't, <laughs> we don't need to be isolating in the, in the reception area. And the other thing I know that there's a lot of business models going back to the idea it ties in. I've seen a lot of um, consultants that say like, you know, offer a, intake session where somebody can just come and talk like, Hey, do you treat X, Y, Z and having the right space in your reception area is very effective because 
if you do it right, and you got to do it right, but if you do it right, you may also let somebody else in the lobby know like, oh yeah, we offer dry needling. We always have. It's just you came for something else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, and then going back to the idea of how it all works in a big picture, the whole point of those in-office consultations is the biggest hurdle is getting somebody into your office. So then it goes back, I'm thinking, to the idea of the logo and branding behind the front desk. You don't need it. The person's already there. They've already committed to you. They've already drove over to your office. They've already parked their car. They've walked in. They are not going to be like, oh, wait, is this, I guess this isn't the place I was looking for. See ya. Is <laughs> this not how human beings are, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I just love this idea of wrapping that all together. Uh, as we wrap up this interview, is there any other ideas or thoughts you want to kind of instill in people's minds that maybe we haven't covered yet, but you feel are very big to this experience? Because I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface of this <laughs> idea. Um. Oh gosh, you're right, Josh. We could go on for hours. I think. I think if I was to kind of leave parting words or or what Nina and I really are about is having people put a little bit more time, effort, and investment into what their experience is and think of it as a very layered, nuanced thing. And when they think of their favorite brands or brand experiences, and I'm talking outside of medical, like you brought up Chipotle, you brought up Apple, like these are memorable brand experiences treat your business the same way. You don't need to build the status quo. Nobody goes into to clinic ownership or gym ownership saying, I just want to do what everybody else is doing. Every single person we meet with is like, I want to do this differently. I want to reinvent this. Yet they want to stick to the safety of like, I'll do my you know, feature wall behind the desk with the big logo and everything else will be white and plain. And so you want you want those things to connect. What do you want to create for the people who work there and who visit there? And and if that's not a strong suit of yours, then then hire for it. It's an investment in your business and it will pay you back exponentially when it's done well. Great advice. Nina, uh, I'll throw this to you first. When you based on what Meg said in this like nuanced approach. Is there a brand that you just sings experience to you? Is there a brand you can think of where anybody could see like, this is what it feels like when it's different. I'll I'll tell you one. I don't, uh, have you guys ever flown in through the Denver airport? No, I haven't. Yes. Have you seen their seating options? Like, you know, airports are always those uncomfortable, can't quite lean back enough, but they're kind of lean forward chairs. Denver's like, why are we doing that? And they did, cafe style tables with chargers. They did stand-up desks. They did little nooks where you have like a, you're sitting in a single person with a single person table and kind of a, a you know, three-sided wraparound booth feeling. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're, I want to high five whoever did this because instead of thinking like it always has to be the same thing, we can vary it because there's different reasons you're traveling. If you're a business person, you're like, I want a charger and a table. If it's, you know, you're traveling with your kids, you're like, I want a place where six people can sit comfortably, you know, and, and we can eat. And then, you know, there's, there's another reason other people are traveling and honoring all of those. And it just makes it so different and exciting. And I was like, this speaks to me. 
that we recently flew through there and it was just so different and so appreciated compared to the standard everyone's the same kind of approach in seating. Sorry, Nina, I, I kind of cut you off there. No, no, that's okay. Cause I, off the top of my head, I can't think of like a brand that I would speak to, but I mean, more aligned with what you were just saying. Um, I switched fertility clinics and the place that I ended up at that felt the best for me, their reception was completely different. They had like these little love seats. So you could like sit next to your partner. They had softer lighting and refreshments. And I think it just comes down to what you said, like a more considered approach that's like really inclusive. That's thinking of all, all walks of people in life and really just including everybody and just being a little bit more considered. Like I, what I love about Apple is just everything is clean. Like their aesthetic is really just very clean, very simple. Um, You know, I feel like they popularize like white, white came back as like this awesome backdrop to everything. And that really wasn't the case before, right? It was Mm -hmm. black and gray. Um, so no, I'm glad you interjected because it made me think of, you know, where, what kind of environment I've been in that felt great. And it was the one, like you're saying, that thinks of everybody's needs and, and thinks outside the box and is clever enough to offer that. Yeah. As I'm talking, I'm like, do we even need a reception desk anymore? I mean, that was because oh, we I had love you. Clip, I love clipboards you. Yeah. and we had printers and we had stuff. And now what you can do off a tablet, you know, what if the, if the receptionist is just floating in the, in the, you know, reception area. Okay. <laughs> Josh, this is a whole other podcast, but this is what we push all of our clients on because this is the problem with most clinics. They put the person managing their clinic at the front who often is interrupted 400 times a day interacting. You need a greeter, perhaps, someone Mm. super bubbly, someone who's going to create those connections, but maybe Mm. has nothing else to do with the nuts and bolts of your business. And they don't need a big clunky desk. We should all be getting away from paper options and massive printers. Printers are wireless now. They don't even need to be up in anybody's eyesight. There's so many things you can reconceptualize if you're willing to think outside the box, given the world we live in, given that you can check in with QR codes, given that every square foot in a bricks and mortar business is so vital and how are you using it to the best of your Mm. advantage. Um, We spend so much time on reception because we think it's the area that is the most neglected that people spend zero time on and it's the first impression. It's maybe the most important spot to consider and getting really to the heart of what does your business need based on the demographic that's coming in and out of the door. This coffee bar one, Nina brought up such a great example. They're young guys. They treat a really young, active demographic and they want people to bring their laptops and sit and do work and have a coffee after working out. And it's created this insane community to your point, like where people come in and they're not there for an hour, they're there for three hours and they love it and it works for them. And so (laughs) if people can start to think that way, then yeah, you just open a whole can of worms to a really exciting reimagination of, of that whole space. Yeah. It's sometimes we just do these things. And it's funny when you look back, like what, why did we do those things? Like what, you know, and have you heard about this? uh, 
here's a story I heard about that. If you ever look at the, when we, when NASA launches a rocket, you'll see that there's these big boosters on the side and they're a certain size. Why are they a certain size? Because that's the biggest you could transport by rail through tunnels, right? And so they're made in like Utah and shipped to Cape Canaveral. And somebody says, well, why are they that big? And you go, well, that's because locomotives are that big. Why are locomotives that way? Eh, because the width of the tracks has always been that way. Well, why is that? And it comes down to the first person to make a carriage for a queen in England. The width of his barn door was this wide. So therefore, the carriage could not be any more wide. And the carriage is why the booster rockets are that size. <laughs> it's just like nobody's I love the to examples say, like, you come up with. Like, like you're so good else. on the spot. <laughs> These are great. Yeah. But you're Anyways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I remember when, when my dad was going through, um, unfortunately, going through cancer therapy, that office was he walked in and it, there was a white wall with a sliding window and they would open the window and like, Jones, shut the window, you know, and it was like, could you, I mean, short of prison, there's nowhere else they open <laughs> a door, yell out your name and then shut it, you know. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, again, I wish this was a video podcast. You could see that Nina is visibly upset right now. She's yeah, like nearly going to vomit hearing failing that failing people so yeah. badly. Yeah. Our, we're, we're failing people when we're not the, yes. welcoming them in the right the way. The other thing, again, going back to the fact that you guys are informed because you're clinicians, is a lot of these things that we think have to happen are reducing our profit. That hotel where there's this gigantic lobby, it's it's all dead space. It's all ex, extra square footage where they're not making money. If you are saying, oh, I need this many reception, and then you're building a door and you're building a front desk, that just took up 10% of your total square footage for what? What did it get you? Right. right? And, <clears throat> and going to the coffee bar or going to these other models, it's like, yeah, we can reduce the square footage and make more profit and serve our clients better because we're not holding on to these old outdated ideas of wicker walls and you know, other stuff that just doesn't work. So I guess that's why it's a articulate design and in bold and consulting. Like <laughs> let's, let us hold your hand and tell you, you don't want to set it up that way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just helping people have the, the courage to kind of go outside the box, which mm -hmm. they want to do, but just knowing that like you have permission to not have the giant reception right. desk. Yeah. You do, and it's more welcoming. Like you said, it's a win-win. It's win for your profits and your square footage optimization, but you're also creating something cool and unique that is memorable. Oh, like yeah, I go to that clinic with the coffee shop in the front, or I go to that, yeah. I go to that reception that they they have a library in it, right? Yeah. Like people know people know the spaces for those experiences. Absolutely, yeah. I uh, and the other thing that I appreciate about you is you you inherently realize you can't lose the human touch along there like where we need to maximize that we need to so if you go to a no receptionist front desk you don't do that in the world of white walls and sterile chairs mm -hmm. because then what anchors the person there you know mm -hmm. so it, it yeah. it's all yeah it sounds like we need to schedule about 14 more episodes and we'll We'll get to chapter, we'll be able to finish chapter one on, on this idea. <laughs> pencil you know? lesson, pencil lesson. Yeah. All right. Well, once again, can, uh, Meg, can you share where people can get a hold of you and the best way to, to kind of go about working with you? 
Yes, you can get a hold of us on our Instagram at Articulate Design Co. Actually, Josh, we're running a contest right now for the worst, or I should say most peculiar, odd um, healthcare spaces. So when oh. you're next at your follow-up, you better tag us. Send us there's a coffee stain. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to send you guys a video because there is a company out here that does lab testing that has gone fully <laughs> automated with with white walls and horrible seating. And I was in there and a woman's like, I've been waiting for two and a half hours and nobody's talked to me. And I was like, okay, this is yeah, cool. the robots of one here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's our Instagram articulate design co and our, our, our website is uh, articulate design co.com. I don't know that you need to do the WWWs. Is that true? I Maybe. Think- I think the Google machine can figure things that out now. Yeah. Okay. www.articulatedesignco.com. You can see our work. You can send us a form and we'd love to chat. Awesome. And tell me what's the contest, by the way, the the worst. Oh yeah. We often find the two of us find ourselves in these settings that are just very cringy. Let's put it that way. And so we often get a lot of camaraderie when we post anything. So we're doing a contest through, I think September 10th. Um, you can tag us in any of these environments you may find yourself in that um, warrant a little bit of an audit. So send them our way. And, and if you want to inquire, we do everything from consulting before you get a space all the way up to full design. So um, we'd be happy to chat. Fantastic. All right. Well, on behalf of the, the, two amazing uh, women leading Articulate Design Co., Nina and Meg. This is Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of. Ladies, thank you so much for the time today. This has been wonderful. I hope it's been useful for our listeners, and I look forward to the next time. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. We've got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.